Good morning, guys. Welcome to Emmett Audio. I apologize for uh, being incognito the last couple days. You might be able to tell from the sound of my voice, I had a wicked head cold, and I am a total <clears throat> weenie when it comes to having uh, sinus congestion. So I was out of uh, out of commission for a couple days, but I'm back, <clears throat> and it's time to talk about ways that you can split up a piece of wood and also um, the first steps in axing out a blank. We're not going to get all the way through axing because there's a lot to talk about in those first opening steps. So one of the reasons I like carving wood that's as large a diameter as possible is that you can get more interesting grain orientations. If your wood is too small, pretty much all you can do is uh, radial or tangential. So radial is when you split it into wedges and then the side of those wedges is the top or bottom of the spoon. So you end up with the long straight lines in the grain going from the tip of the bowl down through the handle. That's a really nice stable a really nice stable um, grain orientation. Uh, not least of which because as the wood shrinks and even aged wood will shrink somewhat what happens is it just uh, shrinks across the growth ring. So in radial orientation, all it means is that the spoon gets uh, slightly narrower. Now tangential orientation is when you have the top of the spoon facing up towards the bark, and so you end up with those concentric rings in the bowl. That's an okay orientation. It certainly is pretty. It's not as strong as radial. And it's also more prone to getting cracks in the shoulders from uh, accidentally tapping the shoulders with the back of the axe. Um, this orientation, because those shoulders, the, the potential cracks that you create with the axe and the shoulders lines up with the way that the wood wants to crack anyways. If you look at the end of a log, you can see that it wants to crack sort of radiating out from the center. So those cracks line up with exactly how a crack would happen from tapping the axe on the shoulder of the spoon by accident and so it's you can see that it's prone to cracking in that way anyways and so it's it's more easy to end up with that problem so if you're having trouble with cracking shoulders that happens sort of later on in the process try stopping carving tangential for a little bit and carve only radial and tighten up your axing technique um, and all of those things combined should help a lot. <clears throat> One orientation you don't want to carve is let's call it reverse radial where if you split a relatively small stick in half and you think okay I'm gonna put the top of the spoon on the split face and have the rounded body of the spoon be mirrored in the rounded back of the piece of wood. The reason you don't want to do that is that it lines up with the growth rings wrong. It lines up with the grain wrong such that you end up with um, fibers that are relatively short and at the tip of the bowl that are not really connected to anything. They're just connected with these very short fibers to the middle of the bowl and they don't, they don't, uh, it's a weak point. And so that orientation, you should basically always orient the top of the spoon. If you're gonna be doing sort of tangential like that, always orient the top of the spoon to facing out towards the bark. Um, 
so you can have two spoons that are sort of back to back within a log, but they're not going to be spooning within a log, if that makes sense. Now with larger diameter wood, you can do something that I've just learned is called a rift, rift cut, um, or rift oriented spoons, where it's sort of halfway in between tangential and radial. Um, and generally the way I get this is you just kind of like are whacking up a big log to get spoon blanks out of it and some of the stuff isn't going to quite line up to be perfectly radial or perfectly tangential and that's the stuff where you get when you carve it you end up with these sort of concentric rings but they're off to one side of the bowl and that is not only very strong because you have these sheets of material that are sort of sliding around the belly of the bowl there and around to the to the sides from sort of from radiating out from those concentric rings but also uh uh, it's just really beautiful also. <clears throat> now, uh, so that's my favorite, but you really can only get that with um, very large diameter wood. So I, I do my best to seek out the largest, clearest diameter wood that I can, and that's one of the reasons why. Um, let me think for a second. Is there anything else to be said? So... I use the axe instead of a fro to split apart the piece of wood, and I use a club. I described this in one of the episodes. You need to listen to that to make sure you're doing this safely. Also make sure that you've listened to the axe safety episode or watch one of my axe safety videos. So, oof, I still have nose nasal congestion. You're just going to have to listen to me sniff. So, uh... I tend to start a spoon the exact opposite of how most people that you see on YouTube or around the world carve spoons. <clears throat> and that is because I carve the crank face first. By crank face, I mean what I'm doing is I'm establishing the angles of the top of the spoon right off the bat in a piece of wood, often before I even square up the piece of wood. I find that if I take the time to square it up, then I might have removed material that I actually need in order to make the spoon fit within the, the piece of wood. So part of how I get so many spoons out of the wood that I have is I don't I don't square up my billet before I do it. And that way, if there's like a slight, uh, if there's some material on the bottom that I need to get the spoon to fit, I haven't removed it in the process of simply squaring up the billet. So what I do is I create a very shallow V <clears throat> sort of like a, a Nike swoosh that's been stretched out in the top face of the wood. And the shorter part of the V is going to be uh, kept away from the end of the wood by a couple inches. And that's what keeps my fingers safe, so that I'm not trying to axe right up close to the end of the wood. I've got this couple of inches of wood between where I'm going to start that short part of the V and of the Nike swoosh and where my fingers are. And that is really crucial because without that, this is not safe. You can't ax that close to your fingers. So you start down lower. Um, and the benefit of that is also is that if you orient the spoon bowl on the side where there's air drying checking in the wood anyways, like let's say you slice off a round of log from a, from a larger log and one end has the cracks in it from where the the moisture is escaped. If you have that end be the end that is the bowl end of your spoon and you slide, you know, you make sure you start 
far enough down that the tip of the bowl is not going to have any cracks in it. Well, in the process of keeping your fingers safe and eliminating those cracks, as long as you leave that on for the starters, you've got two birds with one stone. You've kept your fingers safe by starting down below the end of the piece of wood, and you're going to be able to saw off that piece of wood that needs to be removed anyways. But for right now, you're leaving it on as a, as a handle, as a way that you can safely handle this piece of wood. So I ax down into the blank this shallow V, and I start with the short end, and I go down a couple, couple blows, and if you've never used your axe before, if you're unfamiliar or if you're just uncomfortable axing, a good tip is to start lower, like further away from the hand that's holding the piece of wood than you intend to hit. Start deliberately low and then walk your way up with a series of blows. So you hit low, you sort of get your range, and then you walk your way up. Whack, whack, whack to where you actually want to be and then you chase that line down. Whack, whack, whack once that happens. Because if you try and just right off the bat with an unknown axe or you're just uncomfortable axing, <coughs> if you try and get it right, right off the bat, <coughs> excuse me, sometimes you will. And sometimes you'll hit too low by accident. And sometimes you'll hit too high by accident. And that's the one I'm worried about. Because when you hit too high by accident, you're actually, you know, you're, you're going to hit uncomfortably close to your hand. And all it would take is hitting a little higher than that by accident again to really mess up your hands. So deliberately start low, get your range, walk your way up to where you actually want to be, and then walk your way down. The blows walking your way up can be light blows. They're just to let your body know sort of where the axe edge is and what it feels like to hit in the right spot. All that stuff, you, you got to develop a feel for it. Don't try and hit exactly where you want hit lower than you want, further away from your hand, and that keeps your body safe while you figure out exactly where you want to be. So I do the short part of the Nike swoosh first, and after a couple blows, the axe head will start to feel like it's sticking down in the wood. And so then, instead of doing the long part of the Nike swoosh, I actually come in and do a, a second cut that's just sort of straight down into where it was sticking and that just severs the fibers almost at a 90 degree angle just whack 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 straight down across those fibers to and and not up towards the bowl end really right down where I assume the shoulders and neck of the spoon are going to be straight down into the billet and that severs those fibers and cleans up that this material that was hanging on that I removed from that short end of the Nike swoosh which is going to be the the bowl part of the face then I, it's time to carve the, it's time to ax in the handle part of the V, the long part of the Nike swoosh. And that uh, I do in two stages. And the reason I do it in two stages is that if you start all the way at the tip of the handle and start axing your way down, by the time you got halfway down, it would be stuck. You'd, have, you'd be pushing the ax into so much material, there'd be so much material above the ax that it would be, you'd be using tremendous force. And you might just get stuck and not be able to continue, or even if you were able to continue, by the time you reach down toward the, towards the bottom of that Nike swoosh, you'd be having to use so much force that 
uh, the likelihood that you are, would drive right through and bash the axe edge into the front face, the bowl face of the spoon, and put a crack going up into the material that you want to keep is quite high. So what I do instead is I divide the handle material that's going to be removed, that long part of the Nike swoosh, I divide it in two, and I do the bottom half first, counterintuitively. I do the bottom half first, and that way I can still use just sort of moderate moderate uh, force with the axe and really kind of lighten up as I approach the bottom of the V there that where it connects to the to the bowl part of the the V and when that's done then I can start at the tip of the handle back where I think the tip of the handle is going to be and again this is just sort of you have to sort of estimate what size spoon you want and all that and in axing in this part, the trick is to not let it dive too deep. Because if you dive too deep, you're going to end up uh, basically removing material that you want on the top of the handle and creating this sort of arch in your, you know, to sway back in your the top of your handle, which you may want, but it's very easy to overdo it by driving the axe in too much at this stage. So for that top half of the handle, Keep it shallow, and you want to blend it into the line that you've created for the bottom half. Okay, so now you've created your V. You've created the what I call the crank face, which is just, crank is just the difference between the, the angle of the bowl and the angle of the handle on a spoon. And most spoons have some amount of crank, and how much crank they should have, in my opinion, varies with what type of spoon they are, what their purpose is, and how you're going to be holding them. So a ladle obviously needs more crank than, say, a cooking spoon. An eating spoon needs something in between. You don't have to get this angle perfectly correct in the, in the spoon blank making process, but it is important to keep in mind how much you want and not overdo it. It's usually better to start off with too little crank than too much crank because it's easier to add crank than it is to take crank away, although you can do both. So once you have axed in your V into the top of the, of the billet of wood. And it's worth noting that your V simply needs to be the right angle and it also needs to have enough width in it to fit the width of the spoon that you want and the length of the handle that you want, the length of the bowl that you want. You don't need to do much more than that and it's very easy to remove too much material. The other thing you need to keep in mind is that you need to be able to fit the spoon within the wood that remains. If you go too deep with your V, you're, you might get so close to the back of the material that you have is that, that you actually cannot, that you can no longer fit the spoon you intend into the wood, not because you don't have the width in the axed face, but you, you no longer have the depth. Um, remember, the deepest part of your spoon bowl it needs to hang below that deepest part of the V. So if you get too close to the back of the wood there, you're not going to be able to fit the spoon you need. Now, it's a matter of experience how little you actually need. You don't need a ton of wood to fit a spoon. You just need to know how much you actually need and have control of the process. So that's something that will come with experience, but it's worth noting that it's easy to remove too much um, at this stage of the game. So, uh, so now you have your V and it's time to draw your spoon shape. 
onto that. The reason I like this draw my spoon shape at this stage is that it allows me to very accurately see if I have the material I think I, I, if I have the material I need for the shape that I think I want to make. And if I don't, I can often adjust the spoon that I am carving such that I am attempting something where I actually have the right material and I can figure that out right now. Um, so the most important point when you're drawing your spoon shape onto the, the billet of wood is where you place the neck transition between the bowl and the handle of the spoon and how that neck transition lines up with the deepest part of that V. And the most important thing I learned over the last couple of years is to basically put that deepest part of the V right about where the shoulders start coming together for the neck. Just a quarter to a half an inch on the bowl side so that the V is in the, in the bowl side of the spoon that deepest part of the V is in the bull side of the spoon, but right where the shoulders start to really angle in towards the neck. You don't want that deepest part of the V lining up with the widest part of your spoon, because if you do that, you will end up with the grain change that happens right where you are also going parallel with the grain the other way, and you'll get stuck carving the rim of the bowl, because right where you're going parallel at the widest point, where, where the, the line of the bowl is lining up with the parallel grain, with the, the flow of the grain, you're going to, that you're going to hit that grain change and you're going to, it's going to be a pain in the neck. You're going to go back and forth trying to get it to clean up and it's not going to want to clean up for you. And you're going to drive that rim deeper and deeper. And before you know it, you're going to have a somewhat useless spoon. So have the deepest part of the V be you don't want the deepest part of the V to be exactly where the neck is. You don't want it on the neck. You want it just below the neck, like right where the shoulders of the spoon start coming together. And um, I like to draw with a ballpoint pen. I find that it uh, works best. If your wood is really juicy, you might need to use a Sharpie, but I would recommend that you use a Sharpie that's somewhat old and not like a fresh Sharpie that's going to drop a lot of ink into the wood, which might stain it. Uh, and you'll find yourself having to keep carving just to get down below where the wood, the ink is soaked into the, the wood. So what I find works best is an extra bold <coughs> ballpoint pen. Um, because like your standard medium ballpoint pen doesn't produce enough ink to write on somewhat wet wood, but an extra bold will. So, you draw your spoon, and I usually, here's the order I usually draw it. I usually draw the bowl of the spoon first, keeping in mind sort of where, what the grain is doing and trying to line the bowl up with the grain. Then I, I draw the center spine line in the bowl so that I am dividing the bowl in half by mass. Even if it's an asymmetrical bowl, I'm like, this is going to be the center spine of the spoon. And then once I have that line divided in half, I tilt the spoon <clears throat> so that the face is slightly away from me, which has the effect of means I'm sort of looking down the length of the the billet of wood with the handle end closest to me and the spoon end, the bowl end further away from me, but tilted down in my hand. And that allows me to then sketch in that center line coming up towards me. And by foreshortening my perspective, by tilting it like that, so I'm looking down it, it's very easy to see if your if your center line, which you want to have it be straight, 
is slanting to one side or the other. Um, and you can just sort of draw in a very sketchy sort of sketch a sketch line. And it's easy to get that straight. Once you have that straight center line that's going to form the spine of your handle, it's much easier to then draw in a tapered handle that is still lining up correctly with your spoon bowl. And it's nice if you can get the handle to line up perfectly with the grain because that will make a lot of things easier further on down the road. Um, and let's see. Okay, so now you have your billet. You've got the crank in it. You've got your shape drawn on it. And <clears throat> tomorrow I'll talk about the process of axing out that shape. Um, uh, I will say if you're going to put it aside at this point or any point from here on out, wrap it in a plastic bag, even if you're just going to let it sit out for 15 minutes. At this point, moisture loss is your enemy, and it doesn't take much moisture loss to harden the surface of a spoon, even if you don't realize that that's happening. And that will make, it's the equivalent of dulling your knives. So that, the, the, the most helpful thing you can do to keep the carving process fun at this point is to be very disciplined about always bagging your spoons when you put them down, even if it's just for a little bit, but certainly if you're going to come back to them tomorrow. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll talk to you tomorrow.